Hello, my name is John Fiore, and I'm conducting this season's performances of Madama Butterfly. Butterfly is probably one of Puccini's most beloved operas, but you'd be surprised to know how much turmoil it went through as it went from version to version, ultimately ending up in the standard version that most of you probably know. It was premiered in Milan at La Scala in 1904, and it was not a success. And there may have been several reasons for this. One of them was that it was in two acts, and the second act was extremely long, especially for an audience at that time who maybe was not used to sitting through Wagner operas. Another thing was that there was no tenor aria, and I think people tend to like having the tenor sing an aria somewhere in the opera. Shortly after this, basically three months after this, there was a second production in Brescia, and Puccini made some cuts, he rearranged some things, he also added a tenor aria, which pleased people very much, and he also did certain things to improve the melodies, which is quite interesting. For instance, when Butterfly first appears in the opera, originally her music went like this. In Brescia, it had developed into this. Even that little seventh changes the whole feeling of the thing. This here. Also, small things like a melody like this one, which was originally. Then morphed into this. much more expressive. And at the end of the opera, where she commits suicide, originally it was simply this. But in the later version, see the way that the, the melody arches? And there's so much more tension and atmosphere in this music. The Brescia version also is interesting because it retains certain things from the first version, which I find very interesting and evocative, and I think add a lot of color to the piece. It also gives certain characters more presence, and they are more important characters in the earlier version. Like, for instance, the wife of Pinkerton, I should say the American wife of Pinkerton, Kate Pinkerton, who in the Brescia version actually speaks a lot more and interacts with Madame Butterfly, and it's actually much more interesting scenically to have Kate speaking for herself. In the later versions, and in the Paris version, 1907, which is the standard version that is mostly played today, Sharpless, the consul, sings a lot of the lines for her. So for instance, when Kate Pinkerton comes and says to Butterfly, I'm the cause of all your problems, please forgive me, in the later versions, Sharpless will say, she's the cause of all your problems, please forgive her. And so there's a very different kind of dynamic going on in those scenes. Also, one more point. In the earlier versions, Pinkerton was maybe a little less sympathetic than he is in the later ones. And of course, adding the aria for him makes him much more sympathetic because he looks around and feels great remorse about what's happened. And he takes a last look at the house where he 
fell in love with Butterfly, and he sings a very beautiful romantic aria. Another interesting aspect of the changes of the versions, and there were probably about five between 1904 and 1907, which is the final Paris version, Butterfly's character becomes less and less Japanese and more and more Italian. Um, she's a little more reserved in the earlier versions, and in the later versions she becomes very Italian, saying things like, tutto è morto per me, tutto è finito, ah, you know, everything's dead for me, everything's finished, ah. I mean, that could be something that, you know, maybe Tosca or, or Suor Angelica might sing. So I think it's interesting in the Brescia version that she still maintains a lot of that, you know, Japanese control. Now, how did this version that we're doing see the light of day? I was doing a new production of Madama Butterfly in Oslo when I was the music director of the Norwegian Opera. And I was doing it with a wonderful director named Stephen Langridge, who is the son of the famous tenor Philip. And he said, I'd really like to do the original version. And I said, I think the original version is very interesting, but I think that Brescia, the second version, is even better because of the improvements in the melodies. The cuts he made, I think, were good. And I think it also leaves in a lot of material which is extremely interesting. And he agreed, and we decided to do that version with a few cuts here and there which Puccini probably would have approved of because he made a lot of cuts himself when he was going through all these different versions of the piece. I um, was delighted that we did that, and I'm a big fan of this version. And I asked Santa Fe if they'd be interested in doing this version as well, and they were. And so they agreed that we do this version, which is basically based on the Brescia version. And I'm very excited about it. Now I'd like to take you through the score and just pinpoint a few things that are different between the versions and also point out some of the sources of the music that Puccini used. Puccini did use a lot of traditional Japanese tunes, and I will tell you the names of them, and I do hope that I pronounce them correctly. But you may think that this one, must be a Japanese melody. Actually, that's, that's Puccini. It's just that it's done with such delicacy and the use of high winds and, and bells and you know, an orchestration that's extremely light that one believes it's actually Japanese music. But I will be getting to where the uh, Japanese music is very soon. The first place you may notice something sounds a little different is around this place. <laughs> That last one is interesting because Pinkerton is talking about the three servants and that they're about to serve some delicacies. And you hear the... Uh, that's a motive that you hear earlier in the opera when he's introduced to the servants of the house. So you might recognize it when it comes back. It's interesting that this is a, a section that's so big and bombastic, and uh, it's quite a contrast to the stuff that comes before. 
even at the end of this section, is a big orchestral thing. And that's kind of the main theme of Butterfly. You hear it right at the beginning of the piece. You all know that. We also have some national anthems in this piece. Of course, everybody knows this one. I thought that was very cute when I was very young. I thought, wow, it's the American National Anthem in an Italian opera. But that's not the only one. There's a section later on when the imperial commissioner comes on. It sounds like this. And so on. It comes from this piece. And maybe some of you do know it. played the whole thing because the second phrase and the last phrase are used in the opera. Now, did you recognize what it was? Yes, it's the national anthem of Japan, which is called Kimigayo. And Puccini uses the second phrase. To introduce the imperial commissioner. And what's interesting is that the very end of this little section, we hear this. Fate presto. Those are the last notes of the, um, the anthem, right? Here they are. So he manages to get two phrases of that national anthem in, which I think is wonderful. The next section where you might notice some different music is where Butterfly introduces her family. She says, here's my mother. Mia madre. And Pinkerton says, it's nice to meet you. And the mother says, it's nice to meet you too. Actually, she says something else in Italian. But What's really interesting in this part, though, is that Butterfly introduces the first of two uncles who are going to make an appearance in this act. This one is called Uncle Yakuside. After we've met this Uncle Yakuside, there are a few other interesting things I wanted to tell you about. Uh, Butterfly brings out a box where she has possessions that she wants to bring along with her into her new life with her American husband. And we hear this. That is actually Japanese music. That is called the Ha-Uta. After we hear that, we hear another Japanese melody. This is when 
butterfly is showing off some things like a belt, a fan. This is a piece called Sakura or Cherry Blossoms. <laughs> exactly the same, basically. So Puccini sometimes actually lifted complete tunes for his wonderful opera. Another one that's interesting is later on, after they have the wedding ceremony, and on the stage, by the way, there are these kind of traditional Japanese bells that you will see and hear played. After the ceremony is over, you hear this music. friends say, Madame a butterfly, and she says, Madame a F.P. Pinkerton. <laughs> you see, she says, I'm not Madame a butterfly, I'm Mrs. Pinkerton. Anyway, that is also based on a Japanese theme. That's called O Edo Nihanbashi. After the marriage ceremony is completed, we get to enjoy another side of Uncle Yakuside. He likes his sake, and there's a little sake song. <laughs> Uncle Yakuside gets a little bit tipsy, and it leads into the Famous Okami, Okami. And at the end of that, we hear this threatening sound coming from the backstage. Chocho-san! Chocho-san! Abominazione! Lo zio Bonzo. And that is the other uncle, Uncle Bonzo, who is a very strong figure and could not be more of a contrast to Yakuside who is a little more on the jolly side. This is very interesting because you have this extremely happy music, etc., followed by this really threatening music, abominazione, right? So you have a contrast of two uncles who are engaging in the festivities in very different ways. And I think this is really interesting. Actually, originally in the first version of Butterfly, Uncle Yakuside actually had a big aria. And then at the end of his aria, the other uncle comes crashing in. But Puccini decided to cut the aria and just give uh, Yakuside some scenes where he's drinking sake with Pinkerton and is having a very good time right before the other uncle shows up and ruins the party. Anyway, there's not so much more about the first act you need to know, except, you know, basically the first act has some added color and, uh, you know, there's a lot of impressionistic music, which I think is, is really interesting. You might be a little shocked in the middle of the love duet when you're hearing this music. Oh, what happened? It stopped, because you're probably used to this going like this. Originally, there was this little interruption she says she had thought of somebody who had wanted her. Maybe she would marry for some time, she says. And then the Nakodo proposed this marriage to Pinkerton. 
And you hear this uh, motive. When she says, I have to tell you, in reality, at first, I wasn't really sure I wanted to do this because I'd be marrying an American, a barbarian, a wasp. Oh. Anyway, um, she says, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I didn't know, of course, that you'd be so wonderful. But as I was saying, this motive here, you do not hear this in the final versions of the opera until the third act, where it comes in the big orchestral interlude. And I think it's very interesting that it's here, because she actually does sing it, and it actually reflects her doubts about this kind of marriage. So I think that's one reason why this is very interesting. Of course, also this little bit about marrying an American. Un barbaro, a barbarian. Oh. Una vespa, a wasp. Yes. I always think of wasps and Americans in the same breath. Anyway, anyway, after they get that off their chests, then we get back into the duet proper that we know, and everything's wonderful, and it ends with the big... The big tune, which you hear when Butterfly enters in the first act. In act two, most of what you'll hear in the second act will be pretty much the same. As I mentioned before, he did change Act 2 into Act 2 and Act 3 for Brescia, and basically all of the subsequent uh, versions are in three acts. However, in Santa Fe, it was always done in two acts. So we do connect it with a little bridge that he used in Milano for the original, which I'll tell you about later. Otherwise, the uh, second act is pretty much as you know it. You get all the wonderful big tunes, and the most famous aria, of course. Um, otherwise, the second act is pretty much as you know it. And of course, we have the wonderful Un Bel Di at the beginning of the second act. And I'm happy to announce that that was in all the versions. So that's always been there. We have a few more Japanese melodies to talk about. There's one that comes in in the second act right before the character of Yamadori comes on. And if you remember, Yamadori is a Japanese suitor who wants to marry Butterfly. And Goro, the marriage broker, is trying to arrange this because he knows that Butterfly is in terrible financial condition. And he doesn't think Pinkerton's going to come back. So he wants to try and help arrange this marriage. And we hear this music. <laughs> That is actually based on a piece called Miyasan. Anyway, Yamadori does come on with some very flashy music. And it sounds very Japanese, but it's actually not from anything Japanese that I have found. No. 
you'd think that she'd go for him with music like that, but she doesn't. She's very serious about being married to an American and that the divorce laws are different in America. There's a very funny little scene where she talks about justice in America and how the judge, if a husband comes and says, I'm tired of being married, will throw him to prison immediately. But uh, you'll see that when you see the opera. Now we have another thing which is actually Japanese. <laughs> It's based on the Echigo Yishi. It's exactly the same. And it even goes on. Just like it does in the Yamadori scene. Same music. And I hadn't mentioned yet, but you might know that some of that music does appear right before Butterfly comes on at the beginning of the opera. It's very similar. Etc. As we move on in the second act, we have the scene where Sharpless brings the letter from Pinkerton and basically tries to prepare her for the possibility, the very good possibility, that he's not going to come back. And she basically says that she has very few choices. She could sing again on the streets or she could die. And she has another aria called Que Tua Madre where she talks about dragging the kid along in the rain and trying to earn money. It's quite interesting that the texts in the earlier versions are not the same as they were in the later versions, even though the music is the same. And maybe I'll leave it to you to see in the performance what she says in this version, as it's slightly different than the one you probably know, and it's also less melodramatic, because in the later one she's talking about morta, morta, I'll be dead, and, and I would, I'm better off killing myself. And she doesn't say that in this version. She's much more reserved about it. But interestingly enough, there are two Japanese pieces on which Puccini based this aria. So you have in the opera, and onwards. This is based on a piece called the Yizuki Uta. I'm going to play it in another key just to make a little contrast. But the aria goes on like this. Ed si te gente ballando And yes, that is an original Japanese tune called the, I hope I pronounced this right, Suiryobushi. probably is one of the best-known motives in Madame Butterfly. And uh, it also comes back at a very important part of the opera later on. 
But anyway, that's the first time you hear it, and that is actually real Japanese music. There are some other changes in the later part of the act, around the part where Butterfly sees the ship that Pinkerton is supposedly on and thinks he's coming back, and there's this wonderful moment where she decides to decorate the house with flowers. And, uh... <laughs> to hear it. But in this version, it goes into this kind of reverie where she remembers the happiness she felt in the first act. It's so romantic and so evocative. I love the way that goes into that beautiful pianissimo in the orchestra. Anyway, we do get back into the flower duet that you know, and uh, there's just a few more changes later on. When she um, wants to have a mirror and she wants to uh, make herself up to look as good as possible, and she does say, look, I look a little older than I used to, and uh, it actually turns into a slightly dark moment where she says, Suzuki, make me look good. Suzuki, fammi bella, fammi bella, fammi bella. <laughs> I love that moment. It's a little bit dark, and just a little bit of panic comes over her for a moment, where she really is worried. Other than that, there's a moment where Butterfly says, would you please go get me my wedding dress? And... We're used to hearing her say, get me my wedding dress. And you hear some of the duet music from the first act. In this version, she says, get me my wedding dress. And then it gives time for Suzuki to go and get it. And it also gives Butterfly a chance to sing a little song to her son, who I assume you know exists because you probably know the story. Anyway, she sings this little song. And of course, then Suzuki comes in, interrupts the song, and brings the dress. And we're back to the part we know. For the musicologists out there, it's interesting when she asks for the dress, it's in a lower key in the original version. When the dress comes out, it's back up to the key it was in the first act. So maybe you can think that it's the Doppler effect. The, the dress is far away, so it's a half tone under. But when it comes on the stage, it's in A major. As I mentioned earlier, Puccini changed the two-act version into a three-act version. And where originally there was a bridge that went from the first scene in act two to the second scene, in the three-act version, he actually does an ending to the humming chorus with a beautiful B-flat major chord, and that's the end. And then there'd be intermission, and they'd come back out, and it would begin, act three, with a bombastic <laughs> But you'll hear, when we do it, we actually do do the bridge 
from the Milano version, which is really the only thing from pure Milano that we do. Although a lot of Brescia, of course, is from the Milano version. It's just basically cuts and some changes. So when the humming chorus ends in this version, there's a little stop, and then it goes on in the same vein. and it will gently morph into this music in a much more pensive version. And then very soon we end up in the interlude that we all know. The major change between the first version, Milano, and the Brescia version, as I've said before, is the addition of the aria for Pinkerton, which of course remained in all the versions, all the way up to Paris, the standard version as well. And you probably have heard this. Adieu, florid sung much better in the performances. Anyway, after that's passed, Kate Pinkerton comes on. I'm not going to tell you an awful lot about this scene because I think it's so powerful when you see it the first time because it's slightly different than you will expect. Because if you're used to the, the later version, Sharpless does most of the talking and, and Butterfly's responses are much more Italian and uh, melodramatic. And I think this way is very interesting. So I'm not going to tell you much about it, except that the two women actually interact quite a bit, and uh, it's very powerful. There is one more interesting scene in the Brescia version near the end of the piece, which did not last until the final version of Paris, 1907, which I think is very interesting. Pinkerton has given Sharpless money for Butterfly to live on in his eternal absence, and Sharpless tries to give this money to Butterfly, and she basically refuses it, and this is kind of droning music where you can hear that kind of the life of her has been somehow taken out and she says she really has no need for money it's not going to give her any peace and uh, she sends him off and she also does say of course that she has agreed to give up the child to Mrs. American Pinkerton to Mrs. Kate Pinkerton where he'll be brought up in America that's basically the last change that you will notice. And then we go to the, the famous death of Butterfly. And uh, I did want to say one thing about the end of the piece, which is very interesting, because we have that Japanese melody that we have discussed before. It ends the piece. <laughs> What's very interesting about this piece, and a lot of people discuss this, is that the very last chord is not what one would expect. You would maybe expect something like this. A normal tonic chord, which is pretty standard in most operas. Instead, you get this. Uh, 
it's the first inversion of the sixth degree of the scale. So actually, you're ending with a G major chord in a B minor section. Actually, it's, it's quite effective because it's shocking and it gives a feeling of everything being very unsettled. It's also the moment where Pinkerton sees his son the first time and you know that there are a lot of question marks. What's gonna happen? How is it gonna be when he takes this child and tries to raise him with a, a new mother? Many questions. Anyway, it's interesting how this all ties into the piece in general because there were so many questions as this piece was being developed over basically a three-year period until it reached the standard version that we all know. This also had to do with the fact that the publisher said, Giacomo, if you don't decide on a version pretty soon, I can't publish this thing, so will you please decide what you want? So that was why that version was finally published. Thank you very much for listening to my introduction to this season's Madame Butterfly, or Madama Butterfly, as the Italians call it. I really do feel the Brescia version is very effective, and I think that Puccini really made a very good version when he did the second version. I think he probably listened to a lot of people who told him, well, maybe you should cut this, or maybe you should change this and do that. And I think that in this version, he really retains a lot of the very strong stuff from the first version while improving certain things. Also, obviously, the tenor aria is a great improvement, as well as the melodic changes he made. And I think this version, basically, you get the best of both worlds. You get the strength of the first one and the improvements of the later versions while retaining some of the very interesting scenes that I think make the piece even more compelling. So I hope you enjoy it, and I look forward to seeing you in the performances.